What's up, Reed? Pray, share family. We are back with another Bible study message for you. And in this message, we're going to be hearing from Sean Pierce. He is delivering part three in our Standing on God's Word series. And in his message, he is taking a look at the life of Jesus, at a specific uh, portion of Jesus' life and how he too, in this moment, has to stand on God's Word. So we hope and pray that after hearing this message, that it resonates with you and it empowers you. What's up? Thank you, Elaine. I was sure having trouble finding it. Um, what's up, family man? I'm super excited to be with y'all. Um, for sure. Thank you for everyone that did share, that did give us a piece of your life that you didn't have to give us. Thank you for your transparency and uh, allowing for us to be uh, spectators on what God is doing in y'all's life. And so, um, Arlea, sis, we're super glad that you are back and here with us. Um, you still fam. Um, we're just super glad to, to be able to hear um, how even though things have been going tough, God has still been faithful and you still been journeying and you didn't forsake the faith or anything like that. Um, but, you know, you made the choice to come back and be around uh, the people that do love you. I mean, we love everybody that comes here, uh, whether we've met you or not, um, but we're super glad that you're here. And so uh, let's jump into the word. Um, I know there are some some new people here as well. There's some names that I've never seen. Welcome to you as well. Super glad that you are here. Um, and if it is your first time, let us know in the chat. Um, and we definitely want to welcome you and just say thank you for coming and, and, and giving God some of your time, but also uh, us some of your time to fellowship with you and connect with you. All right. And so uh, let's jump into the word. And so we are in a series that Geo's uh, been leading uh, that God put on his heart and his title, Stand on God's Word. And so the first week he talked about Abraham, he talked about the story of Abraham. And then last week he talked about the story of Elijah. Um, and so this week we're going to talk about uh, our, our example. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to talk about Jesus standing on the word. And it's, it's really funny that we're talking about Jesus standing on the word because we uh, remember in John, um, the word logos uh, lands in John chapter uh, one, verse one. Says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word, uh, the word was with God and the word was God, right? And so uh, that literally word means logos in the Greek. And that word is talking about, you know, Jesus. And so we're talking about Jesus standing on Jesus in a sense. And so I know it can it can kind of get us to thinking like, well, it was easy for Jesus to stand on the word. It was easy for Jesus to do this. But I really believe the text we're going to look at today gives us a picture on how uh, we should. I believe that all things that Jesus did in the Bible wasn't for Jesus' sake. It was for our sake. It was for us to get a picture, get an example of how we are to do these same things. And so uh, we're going to take a look at this scripture. It's a familiar uh, book of uh, uh, in the Bible. It's a familiar chapter in the Bible. But I just feel like today when we look at this, I feel like Holy Spirit is going to give us a new revelation. Uh, that's going to give us a new outlook on um, this concept, this picture that he paints in uh, Matthew chapter 4. And so let's pray and then we're going to jump in. So uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for this time. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to come and gather and be able to enjoy each other, but also to be able to uh, get your word, to be able to get fed, to be able to have something to, 
to nourish us, to nourish our spirit, to nourish our soul. I just thank you, God, for this this moment in time that you've allowed for us all to make it here safely, to make it to this space. And God, we're just praying that you would open up our ears, open up our eyes, open up our heart to receive what you said. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you speak and that you allow for your words to last a lifetime, that you would allow for them to last a lifetime in our mind, in our heart, and our to transform us, to become all that you create and call for us to become. So God, we just thank you. We love you. I pray that you get all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So listen, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. Um, and, and many of us know that this is uh, Jesus coming out of uh, being baptized, the spirit um, descending and falling on him. And, uh, and he's led into the wilderness. And so this is where we're going to pick up. So Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And so it says this, it says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there for, by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became hungry, very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, for they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a high, a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Right um, of their glory, and I will give it to I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord God and serve only him. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Now, when we go back, let's let's look at verse one. When we go back and look at verse one, we see that Jesus is led into the wilderness. It says that he's not led by the devil, but he's led by the spirit. The spirit of God led Jesus into this wilderness. He led him into this. And so we know that God is not um, in on uh, playing defense on this. He's 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 playing offense. He's he's led him there. He's put him in this uh, wilderness. And so I, I when I was looking at this. I was looking at this before a long time ago. I would look at this and be like, dang, like, why would you do this? Why would you put Jesus in this position to be tempted? Like, why would you do something like this? And as I read it this time, what revealed to me is that temptation is really just an opportunity to stand on what you believe in. That a lot of times we look at temptation as like, man, like, wow, like, this is crazy that you even got to be tempted, but why, like, why do you have to even go through something like this? Why do you even have to try to navigate this part of your life? Why this can't just be easy? Why you just can't keep them away? Why you just can't just put the shield in front and it just never happened to me? Why, why, why do I have to do this? But what I was looking at as we are in this series is temptation is really just an opportunity for you to stand on what you believe in. The only way that temptation becomes something that you are fearing something that you don't want to deal with is because you're probably scared of what it is that, that you're being tempted by. Because James tells us really the only thing that we can really be tempted by is something that we desire, is something that we have a desire for. And so when I look at when I've been looking at this with the series in mind is temptation is just an opportunity. 
if I think if we get that in our mind and we change our mindset about how we even look at temptation, it may go better for us. Because if we look at temptation as not an opportunity, it's just like, ah, oh my God. Nah, nah, nah. Just imagine what your mindset, how you're going to attack, how you're going to see when this comes. Because the, the, matter, the fact of the matter is, it's going to come. You're not going to just get through life with never being tempted again. But temptation is going to come. But if we look at this as an, as an opportunity, it gives us the ability to put in force what we really believe in what we say we believe in, right? Because if we be honest, I can get up here and quote you about 15 great scriptures and 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 you will think I believe in. You will think that that's really what I believe, but really and truly, if I'm really honest, it's not just about what you believe in when it's all good and and and, and is good in the neighborhood. It's not it's not just great, it's not just all great then, but it's really what do you believe in when you really got to show what you really believe in? When in that moment, you got you to gotta use the tools in which you say that you have. It don't matter if, if I go and something happened and I'm trying to save my wife and I got a gun and I, and I let everybody know I got a gun when it's all good. But when somebody run in this house, that gun is like it ain't even here. I'm scared to, I'm scared to even protect my wife. I'm scared to use it. It makes no sense for me to even have it or talk about it when it's all great. But what do you really believe in? And I truly believe that a lot of times opposition, temptation, things that we have to apply the word is when we really are seen and is shown in us what we really believe in. So can I give you like a practical example in the Bible? So Paul, if you know uh, the apostle Paul, he's real radical. Paul says some stuff and you'd be like, Paul, you didn't even have to say it that way. Like you didn't even have to even mention that. Like you didn't even have to do that. Like a scripture that he says is for God, I, for God, uh, I live and for God, I die. Like Paul, like we get, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, but why do you have to say that? And if I put in my repertoire that I believe that for God I live and for God I die, but then I get in a situation where that really applies and I and I need to say this, I need to stand firm on this, but then the situation make me shy back a little bit. Did I really believe that for God I live and for God I die? Do you really believe that? Because in opposition, when something is meeting you and testing, do you really believe that for God you live and for God, and for God you die? Do you really believe that? When I get in a situation and I'm, I've been saying my whole life that God is my provider, that he provides, that I don't have to worry about a thing because he's going to provide for me. But then when provision don't look like it's being met, are you standing on that? Are you still saying that, listen, God is my provider? Are you like, man, well, maybe, maybe I'm just supposed to live like this. Maybe I'm just supposed to not have. Maybe I'm just supposed to not eat. Like, is that, what are you standing on when opposition meets? And so temptation is just an opportunity to really display and really show what do you really believe in? Not what do you say, but what do you actually believe in? And so that's what we see in verse one, that, that Jesus is being led into the wilderness to be tempted. And then verse two says, it is for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I love when the Bible puts words like very. Because Jesus wasn't just simply hungry, but he was like me and my words. 
he's hangry. Obviously, we don't we know he's not angry, but when I get very hungry, my attitude changes a little bit. Like, and we have to think about this because if we don't think about this in this way, we'll just read the scripture. And then when we get in these times, we mad because we acting like this or like that, and we being tempted and we going left and right and we fell in test. But he's very he's very hungry. So we know his appetite is yearning for something that he usually gets food. Now, the next scripture says, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Okay. Why in the world would the first thing that, that the devil tries to tempt him to do is something that his appetite is yearning for? How would the devil even know that he was hungry? Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because as we're talking about standing on God's word, we have to know that when we're, when we're coming against opposition, especially when we're coming against, and it's the devil that is trying to tempt us and trying to, trying to put things in our way and trying to get us off the mark and trying to distract us, we have to know that the devil is not just throwing stuff that he thinks. He's throwing stuff that he knows. He knew Jesus was hungry. So that's why the first thing he said was something to get him to make a move to fulfill a need that he really has. He's hungry, very hungry. And he says, well, if you're the son of God, now I have to stop here because not only is the devil trying to tempt him to do something that's natural, but within this, within this tempt, he's also trying to make we can, we can make the assumption because this is what he says. He says, if you are the son of God. He's also trying to get Jesus because he's not, he's not saying if you're the son of God because he doesn't know that he is. He's saying it because he wants him to, he wants to see Jesus. Do you even believe that you are? It's the same reason why when we're tempted, he starts saying things to you like, well, if God loves you. If God says that you could do this, if if God says, this is the same thing he did to Adam and Eve in the Bible. I mean, in, in Genesis. Are you sure that he said that you wouldn't do this? Are you sure that you would surely die? He begins to question, and I believe this is the same thing that he does to us. He begins to question you to see if you know you. He's not saying if you are the son of God, because he don't know that, that Jesus is the son of God. But in your time where you need your appetite to be filled and, and your emotions is going and your feelings is going because you're hungry and because you need something, because you have an appetite for something, are you going to lose sight of who you are? Are you going to lose sight of who God says you are when, you've, when, when things ain't just looking like they're being met, when, when appetite's not looking like it's being display when things aren't when things aren't being given to you that you know you need are you going to lose sight of who you are are you going to stand on what god has already said you are are you going to stand on his word and so he says if you are the son of god then tell these stones to become loaves of bread and this is what jesus says he says no the scriptures say people do not live off bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I really love this because uh, 
Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse three. But it's something that I've never even seen. I've never even paid attention to. I never even never even thought about when I read this, but I read this this time. And this is what Holy Spirit is saying. Right. And so before I say this, let me say this as well. Let me back up a little bit. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm excited. I ain't talking a while, especially with y'all on Saturday. Let me back up a little bit. So he says, if you are the son of God, I had to put this at a point. When you know the truth of who you are, you don't even have to prove it to others. He does this twice to Jesus. He says, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, Jesus doesn't even, Jesus doesn't even respond to that. He never mentions, oh, I am the son of God. Oh, no, that's who I am. You know how, like, I, I've done before, like, people question who you are. They question who God says you are, and you feel the need, like, you got to prove it. Oh, yes, I am. Like, that's what I am. That's who I am. Or if you want to know it or not, like, that's what I am. But really and truly, I was telling a guy last week at this uh, Friendsgiving down here that I've come to a point in my life, I'm not arguing what I know. There's no reason to argue the truth. Really and truly, if you're arguing the truth, it may make you look like you really don't even fully stand on and you really don't believe in that. Because why are you arguing something that regardless of what's being said and the things that they say, it will never change? Why are you arguing? And I really just felt like I had to tell us all that, listen, when you know what God has said and you know who you are, you don't have to argue with other people or prove it or try to prove it to them that you are that. Jesus never even, he never even talks or opens his mouth about the if you are the, the if you are part, because there's no need for me to address something that I know. You only need to question and address something that you fully don't even believe in. So when somebody say, well, God don't love you because you're doing that. So now you, well, no, God do love me because, man, no, no, no. I don't even have to argue the fact that you said God don't love you. That's just, I'm going to put that to the wayside. I'm going to address everything else. This is what Jesus did. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into loaves of bread. He went straight to the loaves of bread part. Nope, man. Man, scripture say. So are you arguing with people based off of what they're saying you are and based off of who they're, they're questioning you to be, based off of who they're, who they're questioning uh, uh, that if God said you this, that you are this or not? Are you arguing with people? Because Jesus never argued with this man. He never argued who he was, his identity, his, the essence of who he was. He never argued. He never even he never even mentioned it in his replies, in his responses. And I just truly believe that if, you were, if we're really going to say we're standing on God's word, when God's word tells us who we are, there's no need to argue about it. Sometimes there's no need to even address it. All right, and so going on to... Jesus responds. So he says, Deuteronomy 8 and 3. Now, I love this because I never looked at this. I've never even gotten this, never had this thought, never even put this together. But if we go to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, the context of this, where the scripture comes from, is Moses is talking about, he's explaining God's provision for the people of Israel through the wilderness. 
And he's explaining it to us. And he's saying, listen, it was God that gave us the manna and gave us the meat. He provided us the clothes. He made it. He, he was our provision through the wilderness. Now, Jesus brings this to respond to the devil when he's being tempted. When he's being tempted to move independently from God and try to make things happen. When he could do that. Jesus could have been like, cool, boom. Bread, turn. He already did this before. I can make loaves come to, I can make things happen. I can do a miracle right here in front of me. He could do that. Just like we could try to go make things happen and work independently from God. But Jesus responds and say, no, no, no. Just like in Deuteronomy chapter eight, when Moses was talking about, they, it wasn't that the food is that, it's not that the food got them through the wilderness. It's that the God, it's the, it's the God who provided for them in the wilderness. So I'm not depending on being able to get any food. I'm just depending on being able to get what God provides. So even though I'm hungry and my appetite is saying that I could go ahead and just do this so I can eat this bread and just turn all these loaves and all these rocks into loaves of bread, I could do this, but I'm not going to do this because I'm not going to work independently from God. I'm going to allow and still trust in God that at the right time, he's going to give me and fulfill my appetite for what I need. Why am I bringing this context? I'm bringing this context because for two reasons, for one, Jesus is not just fighting with any scripture. I know I'm going to say something that's like, bro, are you serious? Like, you really going to say? He's not fighting with just anything. He's strategic about what he's using. He understands the context about what he's really saying. I'm saying this because we don't have to know the whole Bible, but what we do know, we really got to know. You, if, if the devil is being strategic with trying to attack your appetite, I can't come back, and I said this to Angie last night, and I was real sleepy when I said it, but she busted out laughing. I, Jesus couldn't respond to them and be like, well, for God I live and for God I die. Okay, Jesus, but you hungry though. Hey fam, you're hungry. I'm attacking your appetite. I'm not attacking whether you're going to stand for God or not. I'm attacking what you are yearning for right now, your appetite. Jesus ain't just ain't just throw any any old scripture out there and be like, well, I'm standing on God's word. Because Jesus, would, I mean, the devil would have looked him right in his face and be like, hey bro, yeah, cool. But you're hungry, though, fam. Fam, bam, your appetite is yearning for food. What are you going to do about that, though? We can't just throw anything on these, this time and say we're standing on God's word. No, if we're going to really stand on his word, we have to know what we know and be strategic when we are facing these oppositions. Because what's going to happen? You throw any little thing out there, he still ain't stopping. He's still finna, okay, yeah, I'm saying this, I'm, I'm repeating it, but I want you to really get this. Okay, cool. 
cool. You, you, you're, you're going to recite me whatever. Well, when I'm tempted, I'm not going to be, God ain't tempting me. Cool, fam, but you're still hungry. What are you going to say about what I'm coming at you about? We can't just throw any old scripture out there and think we're going to win and, and, and be able to declare we're really standing on God's word. Nah, fam, I got to come strategic just like you come strategic. You've been watching me and, and, and you see that I'm hungry and you come at me about my appetite. So I can't throw you just an old scripture out there just to say that I know a scripture. No, I got to know what I know. I got to know the context of what I'm saying. You coming at me about my appetite, but I'm coming at you with what God already did when he was providing for the Israelites and he was giving them manna, food from heaven. So just like he was doing that for them, I believe and I trust that in this moment, I don't have to try to move away from God and try to make things happen. I'm just going to trust that the same way he provided the manna is the same way he's going to provide from, for what I need right now in this moment. The same way he fulfilled their appetite is the same way he's going to fulfill mine. So no, scripture says that people do not live by bread alone, but they live off of every word from the mouth of God. I'm strategic in my, how I'm going to shoot this, this arrow back at you. How I'm going to defeat and, and, and make you go on and move to something else and try to try me in another area is I'm not just going to throw a scripture, I'm going to throw the right one. You tell me to throw an uppercut, I'm finna throw this uppercut. I'm not gonna just try to throw a little jab. So Jesus is real strategic in how he's coming back at the devil. So I got a question for you. I got a question for you. Will you do anything to fulfill this appetite independently from God Or will you trust the one you say is the provider? Because this is the thing. The fact of the matter is Jesus was hungry. Yes. But even when his appetite is not being met, he still stands on God's word to say, listen, I've been saying he's a provider all this time. So in the heat of the battle, when now you're attacking a space that I haven't seen provision in, I'm not going to move independently from him. I'm not just going to try to go make it happen. I'm not just going to fall into your temptation. I'm not just going to go do something to fulfill this appetite that I know that God's not leading me to do. I'm going to stand firm even in this space of me needing what I know I need. That's natural. I'm not going to let anybody go, just provide it for me. I'm not going to try to make it happen on my own. I'm going to wait and see the fulfillment of the Lord because I believe that he's a provider. So what will you choose? What, what will you choose? What will I choose? Will I move independently and try to go make that thing happen when I'm tempted? Because this is the thing that I also had to say, I should have said at the beginning is, it gives us a plain picture. I believe that the Bible gives it to us like this in Matthew 4 to really paint the picture on what this looks like in plain sight, simple, simple terms. 
But we have to know that the devil ain't really coming to us in the same way all the time. Does he come like this? Yes, because the law of first mention says this is the same thing that he did in Genesis 1. He asked them a question in opposition to what? To see if they really believed in what they believed in, to see to really see if they believed that what God said they shouldn't do, they really shouldn't do. So this is how he does it. But sometimes it don't come in. He whispering to your ear, put on your heart, hey, hey, fam, you can go eat over here. That ain't how he do it sometimes. Sometimes the thing just show up. Right? You, you, you may be in a relationship. You may be married. He ain't coming to your ear like, hey, fam, you want to go over here and cheat? No, he just may send, so you just may get that text message. You just may get that DM. Hey, stranger. Hey, 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 big head. He may not be coming like this in your ear like, hey, fam, you want to go cheat over there, fam? Hey, fam, if you say you're the man that you say you is, like, you think you still got it like that? He may not be coming like that. But we have to be aware and have to have some self-awareness within ourselves and depending on Holy Spirit to reveal when the devil is trying to lead us to go eat in a way independently from God. And when we're aware of that, we have to stand on God's word, the word that really applies to what's really going on. We have to be strategic. All right? And so going into the second temptation, right? Then he says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are, if, there's the if you are the son of God again, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. There, there, there goes that if you are statement again. There it goes again. Listen, in the, in the, at the point of opposition, you have to know who you are. Because if you're getting a question about your identity of who you are, it's not because the opposition doesn't know that you really are that. He's just trying to see if you know that. Do you really believe that? When you aren't seeing the provision, do you really believe you're a child of God? Because if God was going, if God's a provider, he would already gave it to you. Right? Like, do, because if you don't really believe that, you are a child of God and that your father gives good gifts and that he will bless you, who will make sure that you are covered, that you are kept, that you are sustained. If you don't believe that in the face of opposition, he'll ask you, well, are you really a child of God? Are you really his son and his daughter? So this if you are statement pops up again. Then he says, if you are the son of God, jump off. Then he throws a scripture at him. This is where we get, this is where you hear a lot of times in this message, the devil knows scripture too, right? Because he throws a scripture at him. He throws him Psalms 91. 
11 and 12. He uses scripture. I really want to give us the context of this scripture because technically the devil is not lying about what the scripture says. Because the context of Psalms 91, the psalmist is trying to get us to understand that God does cover us, that God does protect us, that he does have angels watching over us. That we can go hide in a secret place. We can abide in this. We, we can do this stuff. This is the context of Psalms 91. So he's really not lying. But this is the thing that we have to understand when people are citing scriptures, not just the devil, but when spirits are being used in other people to tell you stuff that you'd be like, wait, but that ain't what that scripture means, fam. Like, bro, do you even know the context of that? Like, do you really understand what how to apply this scripture? This is why you, you don't just have to know the word. You don't just have to know what it says, but you have to have wisdom, which wisdom is just applied knowledge. You have to be able to apply this correctly. This is why we can't just uh, uh, cite scriptures from Philippians and be like, well, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Fam, you go out there and try to lift that building. You can't do all things. You can't go lift that car by yourself. So it's not about just knowing and standing on what you know as far as the, 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 the ability to recite the words. But do you really know, know that? Do you know, know it? Can you really apply that thing in the way that it was written so that you can see the fulfillment of the Lord? So the devil recites this and he, he's actually telling the truth. Like he's actually given the rights, the, the scripture in the way that is read. But the problem is you can give something that is true and give it in a way still trying to manipulate somebody. So he says, God, hey, Jesus, jump off. And if you jump off, you remember Psalms 91 says that the angels will protect you. They'll protect you in a way that even if you fall, like when you fall, you ain't going to hit your foot on no stone. We have to be aware when scripture is being thrown, but it's being thrown in a way to manipulate. This is why you got, which if you're going to say you're going to stand on God's word, you got to know because you know. You don't just got to know what it says, but you got to know the context of it. And you got to know why this was, why was this even said? And Jesus does. Jesus said, yes, I, yes, that's true. That, that do say that. But it also say that we should not put God to the test. That he says that the psalmist is trying to get us to realize that, yes, God does take care of you. Yes, God does does uh, send the angels to provide. God does send the angels to keep you uh, 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 in perfect peace. Like God does protect you. But this scripture is not given for us to test God. It's given for us to know what God, who God is, the essence of who he is and how much he really cares for us. So can I submit to you that even in good settings, Good people still can give good scripture in the wrong way. If I'm honest, now I didn't live some of my life with good scripture with bad application and mad because I didn't see the fulfillment. Y'all know, even when we studied Jeremiah the other, the, uh, a couple weeks ago, we've been writing it down and making it plain for so long. 
And then mad like, dang God, you still ain't can't do it. It's been 75 years. I still got the paper. Fam, he never told you to write that down. He never told you to make that claim. You wanted that. You wrote that down. And if you don't have the context of what he was telling, Jer uh, what he was telling, not Jeremiah, what he was telling Habakkuk to write down. He was actually telling him to write down what he said. Not write down what you wanted. But we've been applying that scripture for how long? Write it down and make it plain. Fam, write down what he said and make it plain. Not write down what you said and make it plain. Standing on a word without proper application leads you to a place where you're upset, you're mad, you're frustrated because God just not going to do that. He's not doing, he's not going to do that. Not because he don't want to. Nine times out of ten because he know if he do that, you is finna go haywire. If he give you that million dollars just to give it to you, you ain't got nothing to do it, do with it. You don't got no plan on what you're gonna do with this million dollars. So you just finna get in it and go crazy. So he's not finna, he's not finna uh he's not finna fulfill what you wrote down. He didn't tell you that. All I'm trying to do is paint a picture that scripture can be said, it could be the right scripture. But at the wrong time would turn into something that's devastating. He tells Jesus, jump off, because you know the scriptures say that angels going to protect. They're going to protect you in a way that you even, if you even, when you file, you ain't even going to hurt yourself. You ain't going to hit your foot on the stone. And Jesus say, no, but also, you forgot, also, it says that we should not test God. We should not put God to the test. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is we have to know what we're standing on so good because we can know something and not really know it and try to apply it or people try to apply it to our lives and then we be mad because it never come to pass or we be mad because we get hurt behind misuses of scripture. You take a scripture from Genesis like, hey, be fruitful and multiply. But if you do that outside of the container that he put that in, now you upset. We have to know when things are being said to us and when we are saying things to ourselves. That proper knowing isn't just being able to have the, the, the scripture in your head but it's also asking God for wisdom on how to apply this. It's also getting the full context of what this is even talking about. It's also being able to stand on it on the full, being able to stand fully on it, put your weight on it because you really understand it. You really know what he's talking about here. You really know how to apply this. Because if you don't, in the times where opposition has come, they'll be then put, the devil be the told you a scripture that you go try to do and now you mad at God for the consequences of God. Like, bro, that scripture was never even, I never said that for that reason, though. So how you going to get mad at me? 
I said be fruitful and multiply, fam, but I never told you to go do that with 17 folks. Though. Like, I never said that. It's not in that container. All right, and so Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 6.16. All right, the last thing that the last thing he says right here is uh, verse 7. He says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 8. It says, next the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Can I make a point right here that I didn't even like write, didn't write it down, but I need to make a point here. In the face of opposition, the first two is just to see what you will do to fulfill that need. The last one is really to see if you'll do what I've been wanting you to do this whole time. The first one was, listen, will you move independ independently from God to fulfill a need that I'm giving you, that I'm trying to fulfill? I'm trying to get to see if you'll move independently. The second one is, will you do something because you're not, you don't really understand what you say you believe in. You don't really understand the scripture that you say you're standing on. You don't really fully, you can't really fully stand on it. You can't put your weight on that because you don't even understand it. I can throw you something, you're going to go do it and then be mad at the, at the consequences of the things that come from that because you really didn't even understand it. But this last one is really what I've been trying to get you to do the whole time. This is what I really been. I've been trying to bait you to see if I can get you with the easy stuff. So when I get here, I really can get you. Because if we be honest, what he's telling, what he's asking Jesus to do is what he's his greatest desire. If we go back to the book of Isaiah. It gives us a picture of what the devil's greatest desire is. He wants to be like God. And he wants the same thing that got him casted down from heaven, which was he wants worship. He wants he wants to get what only God should get. That's his greatest desire. So think about this. If that's his greatest desire, why wouldn't he put that at the beginning? Why wouldn't he just come off the rib and be like, hey, I'll give you all this if you just worship me? Why wouldn't he just throw that at the beginning? What's crazy is if we think about just regular old world, car salesmen do this. They get you going, they get you looking at stuff, and they get you doing a little thing here, get your emotions running, get you feeling good about it. Get Okay, and listen, and I'll give you 15 grand off of it. What you want to do? The whole time, they were just trying to get you to a little sweet spot so they can slam down the good part and get you to go ahead and commit. This strategy is the same thing the devil doing. Okay, listen, let me see if he gonna move like that. Let me see if he really know what he say he know. If he really gonna stand on what he say he believe in. Let me see. Okay, he is. All right, let me just put it down on him. Listen, I'll give you all of this. Y'all know them people on the coin that be selling stuff? And you be like, nah, fam, I don't really want that. They be like, okay, look, look at this one. Now, fam, I don't want it. Okay, look, I'll give you all of this over here if you just give me this. 
Why am I saying this? We have to be aware that when we are being tested, when we are when we are saying that we're going to stand on God's word, that a lot of times, a lot of the stuff at the beginning is just fluff. Yeah, we got to stand on it. We got to know it. But that's just fluff. His whole great, his greatest desire, what he really wants from you is worship. He really wants you to give it all to him. He says, listen, he took him to a high, a very high peak of a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I'll give it all to you, he said, if you would kneel down and worship me. I have to point this out, that he's not even just wanting your worship. He wants the full submission of it. He said, kneel down, get in a posture where you're giving it all to me. I don't want part of it. I don't want just a little bit that you do on Sunday. I want all of it. Good. Kneel down. Because when you kneel down is when we usually crying out to God. It's usually our most vulnerable moment. It's usually our, our most, our time when we are really just pouring it out. We're giving it all to God. He says, fam, I don't want you to just lift your hands. Kneel down. I want, I want to get it all. Because that's his greatest desire. But I have to point something out. He didn't say, he didn't just tell Jesus, hey, Jesus, worship me. Kneel down and worship me. He put something in front of that. If I give it all to you, will you do this? So my question for us is this. What will you stand on when what is presented? Oh, can I make this a point? Back up. He's, give, he's telling Jesus he's going to give him something that in reality, the father already told him he's going to have. Jesus came down knowing the mission. He knew what he was sent to do. He knew what he was going to fulfill. And he knew where he was going back to. To sit at the right hand of his father. To have power and dominion over all. So the devil is trying to tempt him to do something, to try to achieve something before the proper time that he was going to already even get it from his own father. So what do you do? What are you going to stand on when what is being presented looks like it can satisfy right now what God already told you he's going to give you in the end or at a point in time? What are you going to stand on? Again, we can say all these scriptures and say we're going to stand on all this when, when, when it's good in the hood and everything is, is, is going pleasant and well. But what are you going to stand on? When the exact thing that you say you that, that you know God already said he's going to provide, when it looked good, when it's something that you just feel, you just want that. You want to be at the top of the chain. You want to be at the top. You want to be able to, to own it all. You want you want it all in your hands. You want all of that. Better yet, when it's something that you don't even know that God has told you you're going to get yet. But Right now, if I can get it now, I want that. That's how we live in the world, right? Microwave, I want that. I can get it now. I don't got to go through nothing. I don't got to define this character. I ain't got to be prone. I can get it right now. But what will you go and get at the cost of your worship? 
when you know that only one deserves it. What 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 will you choose? What will you choose to stand on? When opposition says you can have it all, but it's gonna cost your worship. It's gonna cost you to give up what usually is your best growing measure. Listen, we worship the best when we going through something and God is growing in us. Y'all know, I know, the most intimate moments in my life has been the, the, the intimate moments when I needed God to show up. I needed him to, to, to show me how to navigate this, this problem in my life. I needed him to just show me how to navigate this space in my life. I needed him to meet me in this space because I was going through this and that. Not saying that I didn't, we don't worship him any other time and not saying we don't always worship him and in, in, in truth, right? Not saying that we don't always do that, but a lot of times when we do that, it's the times where we're growing, where we're maturing, where he's pruning us, where he's helping us. Those are the times that, what are you going to choose? What are you going to stand on when what you can have right now, you can get it now. You don't got to wait another day. You can get it right now. I'll love it. What will you stand on that's going to put you in a space where you may get it all, but you have to give up it all? You may get it all, but you have to give up it all. All your worship, all your surrenders, your full surrender, you have to give it up because you can't give to your all. You can't give the devil your all and Jesus your all. It don't work. What will you take now at the expense of your worship. What will you stand on? Because what Jesus stands on is this. He says, get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus says, fam, I know that like, yeah, you, what you're showing me is actually what God, my father, like, I'm going to have that and more when I go back with my father. You're showing me it looks actually like I, in reality, I could just go ahead and take it because like, I already know I'm, I'm going to be over all of this, but not at the expense of my worship. Fam, I just wait till I go back with my father in heaven. I just follow his path. I just do what he called me to do. Because I'm not finna give up my most prized possession, which is my worship to my father, just to get this. Can I say this? I just thought about this. Jesus is gonna have this and more, because because all the devil has given him is the king is the kingdom of this world. 
Jesus is about to fulfill his mission the next three years and go to be with his father and have everything in heaven and he's going to have everything on earth. But what will you give up now at the expense of what God has for you in heaven? Because if you take it now, you forsake God, you, you, you surrender to the devil, you give your worship all to the devil. You don't even, you're not even going to go on the rest of the mission. But what? I got the kingdom now. I got everything I need. You ain't going to go to the cross. You ain't going to go do all the stuff that God has called you to do. You're not going to become who God has called you to become if you take it all now. So you're going to miss out on what is to come if you forsake your worship now and give it for that to get what you see now, to get all the stuff that you're being shown. So Jesus replies, he says, listen, no, you must worship the Lord your God and only serve only him. I want to make this point before I get out, before I, before I close this out. He quotes right here, Deuteronomy 6.13. Throughout this whole passage, from 1 to 11, Jesus quotes three scriptures from the same book. He quoted Deuteronomy 8.3. He quoted Deuteronomy 6.16. And he quoted Deuteronomy 6.13. I don't know where you're at on your walk. I don't know how many scriptures. I don't know how much you've been in scripture. I don't know how much you really know, know, know about the scriptures that you say you know. But I want to debunk a myth that people make you feel like you got to know every scripture in the Bible. And you got to know the whole Bible front to back. The only way to win is to know it all. If you if you young on your walk and you just getting started and, and you don't feel like you know everything, all I'm saying is this. If Jesus goes to war over fulfilling an appetite, fulfilling a need, which we go through probably every day, giving all your worship, knowing that you have to worship God and, and God alone, he beats this one. And he beats being able to decipher what scripture is really saying and how to really apply. He uses three scriptures to do this. If all he used was three and he knew them three very, very well, then that tells us that it's not about you knowing the whole Bible front to back. That's great. And yes, I wish we all did. But what I feel like Jesus is showing us in this scripture is if you know what you know, what you know, what you know, and you can apply what you know and you know. It's not about you knowing everything. It's plenty of people. I was one of them that can quote you 37 scriptures. And then when I was in war, I was losing because I didn't know how to apply none of them. It's not about you knowing the whole Bible front to back. It's just about you knowing what you know, that you know that you know it. So that when you have to show that you know, you can actually stand on that. You can actually put your weight on what you know that you know. 
So I hope this eases some of us while we're studying, while we're going through God's word, while we're praying Holy Spirit reveal to us, you know, wisdom and give us wisdom and how to apply scripture. And we're not feeling like, well, I got to read this whole thing. Let me start at Matthew. Let me go all the way through Revelation. Then let me just read 17 chapters a day. Let me just make sure I'm just reading it. Now, make sure that you know that you know. Even if that means you're only reading three scriptures a day. But them three, I bet I know. So that I can actually win when it comes. So it don't matter if I have every gun in my gun collection. If I don't know how to shoot none of them, what, what does it matter? It don't matter if I have 17 knife kits in my kitchen. If I don't know how to cook, what that mean? Baby, your kitchen just look good. Listen, all I'm trying to say is that we're going to stand on God's word. We have to know it for sure. We got to really know it. So that when it comes time, we can actually stand on it. Because you can't, you can't stand on what you, you will never stand on nothing that you truly don't believe in or that you truly don't understand or that you truly don't trust in. You'll never stand on it. So you'll know it for face value. And then when things come, you're like, well. I guess I could do that. God did say that he'll elevate me. So I might as well just go do that. That's elevation right there. And the whole time it could be you moving independently from God. But because you just read scripture that say, and God elevates. Yeah, bro, but that wasn't God that was trying to elevate you just moved independently and tried to go fulfill a need that God was going to provide for. That was a whole temp. That was temptation, bro. You got to know that you know. That's what I'm trying to drive in. You got to know that you know. All right, and so I'm going to give us three, three uh, uh, points, and then we're going to be out of here. So the first point is this. You must lay the foundation by getting in God's word to build or to apply to your life. Now this principle is found, I love this text, it's found in Matthew 7. This principle is found in Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. It gives us this picture. It says this, it says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it, you can't follow something you don't know, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not apply it or does not obey is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. When the, sand, when the rain and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. In this principle, let's take a collection of a few things. Both built a house and both went through the same storm. We're all going to be tempted. It's just going to depend if you're wise or if you're foolish. And wisdom is the ability and the willingness to apply God's word to life circumstances. 
It's applied knowledge. It's the ability to apply what you say you know. Foolish, foolishness is the inability and the unwillingness to apply God's word in life circumstances. Some of us are not foolish because we don't know. And I'm not saying you a fool. I'm saying foolishness in the context of you just can't apply it. One of my favorite commentators, Darius Daniels, he said it like this. He said, he said, some of us are foolish. There's two ways to be foolish. The first way is you just don't know how. You just don't know how to apply. You just don't know. But the other way, which is worse than the first, is you think you know, and you loud and wrong, but you think you know. And I've been there in my life where I'm trying to apply something that is all out of context. God ain't said, he said that, but that ain't why he said that. And when the rain come, when the winds blew, that house was, that house was, Gone, mighty crash. For the simple fact that I said I knew, I thought I knew, and I didn't even know. And so I was applying some, trying to build some, a foundation, trying to build a house that it was never going to last. Because I, I couldn't really apply the things that I thought I knew. The second thing, you must believe in what you're standing on. When I when I put this point, I was thinking about something that you can have a foundation. How many of y'all have ever went to a place you never been to and the foundation is laid, but it look a little unstable and you like walking on your on your uh, on your uh, on your toes and you like trying not to step too hard because you don't really know how it's gonna hold up. Why are, you, why are you walking like that? Because you don't believe in what's already said. It's not that it's not set. You just don't believe in it. It's not that the foundation ain't the foundation. You just don't believe fully in it, so you ain't putting your weight on it. You won't put your full weight on it because you don't really believe in it yet. If we're going to stand on God's word, we have to believe in what we know and what we can apply. We have to believe in that. So, Because this is the thing. Some of the things we're tempted by is stuff, well, most of the things, 99% of the things that we're tempted by, we're only tempted because we like that. That's our desires. And so if you know and you know, but you don't believe in that, you are going to be in between. You're going to fail most of them. And you, may, you may make a couple of them. But if you don't believe in it, if you don't put your weight on it, in a, in a moment of opposition, you may crumble. You got to put your weight on it. You got to believe in what God has said. You got to believe in God's word. You got to really believe in that so that you can put your weight on it when it comes opposition. When times get rough, when things are coming your way, when you're trying to make sure that you're winning in these battles and you're trying to defeat, you, you have to stand. You got to believe in that. It wasn't enough when I was dealing with lust. It wasn't enough for me to know God's word and know how to apply it 
in the moment of opposition. It wasn't enough for me just to know it and know how to apply. I also had to believe fully in that so that when opposition came, I could put my weight on what I believed in. You'll never win in what you don't put your weight on. You'll pacify it. If you don't put your weight on it, think about it. If I got two sides and I'm in the middle and I got to choose which side to go to, I'm going to choose the side that I put my weight on. If I fall to this side, it's because I believe that I'm going to put my weight on this side. If I'm going to choose that side, that means I'm going to put my weight on that side. But if I try to balance in the middle, it just depends on how I feel in this moment, on which one I'm going to choose. But what I put my weight on is what I'm truly going to walk in. That's what I'm going to believe in. That's what I'm going to profess, what I put my weight on. What you going to put your weight on? Or you're just going to stand in the middle in limbo until you get in a situation and then it's like, oh, I, I do know what God said and I could apply it, right? I do know how to apply it. But I don't really know. What you limbo in, you're going to pacify. What do they do with pacifiers? They suck on them a little bit and they spit them out. It's based on how they feel. You got to put your weight on it. You got to believe in it. If you're going to stand on God's word in the moment of opposition, you got to you got to put your weight on it. You got to believe in it. All right, the last point for the day is this, and it's just, it's, it's just to, to, to give you some faith, to know that it works. Listen, if you work it, it's going to work. If you, if you lay the foundation right, if you lay the foundation right, if you believe in the foundation, if you put your weight on it, it works. I'm just trying to tell you it works. All right, and so let me pray for us, and then we're going to get out of here. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, just for this day. God, we thank you for this moment in time. God, we thank you just for who you are. God, we thank you, God, that you've given us tools. You've given us the necessary tools that we need, Lord God, to be able to walk in and throughout these different oppositions in our life, Lord God, not just from the devil, but our own desires, from our own things that we are dealing with, from our own things that we're battling. God, I just pray, God, that you would make us, Lord God, aware, Lord God, give us, Lord God, uh, sensitivity, Lord God, to to, to your voice, Lord God, to your illumination, Lord God, that will show us and, and allow for us to see in the areas in which we are being tempted, that we are being tried, that we are being tested, Lord God. Lord God, and we're just praying, God, that you would allow for us to stand firm on what you said, Lord God, but not just stand on the words, Lord God, but to know, Lord God, how to apply exactly what it is that you're saying, exactly what you said in your word, Lord God, so that we can see, Lord God, the victory, Lord God, in every opposition that we may face, Lord God. We're just grateful and thankful for who you are, and God, we're praying, God, that you would just continue just to give us, Lord God, the power, give us the strength, Lord God, to rely on you, Lord God, to stay steadfast, Lord God, to stay unmovable, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that the devil will flee, Lord God, if we stand firm on you, Lord God. And God, we just know, Lord God, that standing firm on you, Lord God, is knowing your word, Lord God, but not just knowing, but applying. So God, we're just grateful, we're thankful for who you are. And God, we just honor and we glorify your name. And as we, Lord God, close this out, Lord God, we're praying, God, that you just continue just to be with us all. Lord God, allow for us, Lord God, to be able to take what's being said, Lord God, in the pieces that you are for us, Holy Spirit, I pray that you just are speaking right now to each and every one of us. Lord God, I just thank you, God, for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Listen, before we move on, I just want to do this really quick. And I'm going to, I'm going to 